the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The Nick D Podcast. That's me. It's Nick DeGilio, host of the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing. Please spread the word. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends. Tell the jagoff that you hate up the street. Tell your uncle who's an idiot. I don't care. Tell them all. Have them all subscribe. Thanks so much. Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the house and home of many, many, many amazing, informative, entertaining, and awesome podcasts. Please check them all out. And in addition, please, when you listen to all of our podcasts, take the time to rate and review them on every platform. We want your feedback. Specifically, uh, for the Nick D Podcast, please give us a voicemail message anytime you want, 773-417-6948. The voicemail uh, uh, world is open 24-7 for you anytime you want. Drop us an email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who does all the music and the themes. Hey, be a sponsor on the Nick D Podcast. We'd love to have you advertise with us. It's easy to do. Contact us. Say, I want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast now. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Be a sponsor. Be an advertiser right here on the podcast. Uh, And speaking of this podcast... Esmeralda Leon, who, by the way, uh, has uh, this uh, episode off because it it is the first uh, Tuesday of the month, which means it's a For the People episode, and Esma always takes that day off. Well, she will be with me live on stage, and you will be there too. We really want to pack the place. It's going to be an unbelievably fun night. Tuesday, November 15th. At uh, Zany's Comedy Club in Rosemont, Illinois. Unbelievably easy to get to. Surrounded by unbelievable bars and venues and restaurants. So you can get some dinner before or afterwards. We're doing the podcast live on stage. All the fun stuff that you love to listen to. Esmeralda and I will be on stage. We'll be talking about some of the stuff we've talked about in the past. Some new stuff. We're going to make you laugh. It's going to be interactive. You're going to be a part of the show. We have surprise guests. And we're going to be giving away some really cool prizes as well. Um, And it's going to be hilarious, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be historic. We're going to record it. You'll be a part of that recording forever. It'll be a podcast episode that you will be a part of, and it's going to be hilarious and awesome. And let's pack the place. The tickets are on sale right now. You can get them right now. You can go to rosemont.zanies.com, rosemont.zanies.com, to order your tickets right now. And again, it is on Tuesday, November 15th. Uh, at the Zanies in Rosemont. Uh, all the really fun stuff that you love about the podcast will be live. We'll be able to meet and hang out. It's going to be hilarious and very entertaining. And we want to do this regularly, uh, but we want to make sure that we can. So please come out and let us know that you're going to come out. We would love to hear your supportive messages saying, yes, we will be there on Tuesday, November 15th at Zanies in Rosemont. Leave those messages with us at 773-417-6948. We'll love to play them back. We love to hear them. We love to read your emails. But we really want to jam that place packed on Tuesday night, September 
Uh, I'm sorry, November. That's right, November. Tuesday night, November 15th at Zanies in Rosemont. Rosemont.zanies.com for your tickets. Uh, so get them now. It's going to be a blast. Uh, uh, we really want to have a great time. So, again, uh, if you're going to come out, uh, let us know and give us the, the, the voicemails of encouragement or the emails as well uh, so that we, uh, we hear. It's going to be a great night, Tuesday, November 15th. God, I can't wait. And I know that you guys are going to be there and we're going to have a blast. Uh, coming up is, uh, it's, it, well, it's our For the People episode. This is the episode where we have our two great regular guests uh, who help you out with your issues in the real world. Herb Weisbaum is our consumer guy at consumerman.com. Uh, and he's going to join us to talk about any and all consumer issues. And Tom Appel is our car guy. He is from Consumer Guide Automotive, and he will answer any and all of our car questions and talk about both of them. will talk about the latest stories and issues in their uh, expertise part, uh, uh, compartments there. So Tom Appel, the car guy, Herb Weissbaum, right after we uh, say congratulations. And my dad, it's Tuesday, and that's not going to stop my dad from telling a joke. He'll bust in here, and my dad will tell a joke. So all that's coming up after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jagoff. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. That's right. He is a superhero. And, uh... Every month, the first Tuesday of each month, it's a For the People episode of the Nick D Podcast at RadioMisfits.com. Uh, for the people, which means it's for you and your issues and your consumer issues and uh, things that you are concerned about. So we have two of my favorite people on every uh, first Tuesday of the month. And we start off with our good friend Herb Weisbaum, who is the Consumer Man. You can check him out at ConsumerMan.com. And he uh, writes great stuff for Checkbook.org and more. Been doing this for a long time. Been helping us out for a long time, too. Herb, how are you, sir? Howdy, Nick. Doing just fine. Thank you. Good, good, good. Tell everybody about Herb Weissbaum and what he does and what you can get from him. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm the uh, a contributing editor at Checkbook.org. That's a nonprofit that rates services in seven cities across the country, including Chicago. We're sort of like the Consumer Reports of Services. So they rate paint and siding and roofing materials, and we rate painters and siders and plumbers and electricians and dentists and doctors and vets and that sort of thing. Uh, it's a nonprofit, so no advertisement. We just uh, call it like we see it, and I write the uh, basic consumer stories for the website. I also run my own website, ConsumerMan.com, which which basically posts what I do for uh, Consumer Man. I have a weekly website, uh, excuse me, a weekly newsletter, which if you sign up for, uh, you'll get uh, what I do all the time proactively, including when I'm on the Nick D Show. You'll get that because uh, it's one of my favorite things I do every single month. Uh, Don't share or sell the mailing list. And uh, other than that, uh, we're doing fine. By the way, out here we've had a lot of... Um, a lot of smoke from all the wildfires in Oregon, Washington, and uh, California, and it's been it's been nasty. I mean, the yeah, sunsets really. are like bright red, something from Armageddon or whatever, which is really pretty, but the lungs are just not dealing with it very well. That's not good. 
That's not good. I haven't been in contact. My ex-wife lives in uh, Medford, uh, oh. Oregon. Yeah, it's, it was. We were there two weeks ago for a vacation, a quick little hop, and it was just below. We were in Bend, and just below Bend, um, they basically were saying, "Please don't go outside because you'll like hurt your lungs. It's dangerous. That's, it's really yeah, big." Yeah. Yeah. Like every so. once in a while, I, I'm in contact with my ex, and and she said uh, she had mentioned uh, that it's been pretty hectic. It's been pretty heavy out there. Uh, so people should be careful. Well, I'm glad you're inside and you're breathing well. That's the important thing. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and we always uh, talk about consumer issues and everything uh, at uh, consumer at, uh, at uh, consumerman.com and, of course, uh, checkbook.org. Um, and, again, you, you are kind enough to do an exclusive offer for my subscribers, for the listeners of the Nick D podcast. And uh, what's, what's going on there again? Sure. All the information we publish on the website, basic tip information, is free to everybody. So all you have to do is go to checkbook.org. The ratings, because it costs a lot of money to come up with these things, are for subscribers only. But because we love your show so much, we have a free 30-day trial offer. So uh, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. And if you're listening to us in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., those seven metro areas, you can get the free 30-day trial subscription to get the ratings for all kinds of products, uh, all kinds of services in your area. So checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. We hope, of course, you'll like what we do and join us and help uh, fund this operation, but there's no obligation whatsoever. You can just check it out and see what's going on. All right. There you go. Easy way to do that. All right, we always love to talk about some of the uh, consumer uh, issues and some of the things that you cover for both your website and for checkbook.org. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's an interesting, uh, a big story, a couple of stories that we want to talk about that have to do with uh, the airline system right now. Uh, you wrote a piece um, a, a couple of weeks ago for checkbook.org about uh, the, the Department of Transportation needing to fix the broken airline system. Can you get into more details about that? Yes, I think anybody who flew this summer realizes that we have a problem. And uh, I asked a bunch of people how they would describe the uh, summer travel season with the airlines. Uh, John Brio, who is the vice president of the National Consumers League, said it was outrageous. Charter Lilioka at Travelers United, a consumer advocacy group, said this summer was just abominable. Bill McGee, who was a consumer advocate uh, for many, many years, uh, said, I can say without hesitation, this is the worst summer I've ever seen for customer service. And he's been around doing this for 37 years, actually worked in the airline industry. And even our good old Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said it was unacceptable what was going on. Let me just give you some numbers to put in context of how bad things were, because the DOT recently came out with numbers. I mean, we all said millions of passengers had their plans disrupted and that kind of thing. Um, FlightAware, by the way, first of all, said on the worst days this summer, up to 7% of all domestic flights were canceled. 7%. So, and here are the DOT figures, and they just have them out uh, for June so far. So of the 10 largest domestic airlines, they canceled 3.1% of their flights in June. That's 18,473 flights. By comparison, in June of 2019, pre-pandemic, they canceled 2.1% of their flights, or 14,667 flights. And uh, so, and, and they actually even had more flights taking off pre-pandemic. So it gives you just some idea of, of how, uh, how bad this was. Uh, making the hit parade, American Airlines topped the list. They canceled 4.4% of its flights uh, during June. Delta 3.9, United 3.5. And as a result of this, the complaints just poured into the Department of Transportation. Passengers filed 5,800 complaints in June. 
That was up 35% from what was received in May and up 270% from what was received in June of 2019. Wow. So you got to realize it. And I think you know, because you live in Chicago and you hear all the stuff. That it's a big hub. The airlines blamed weather and they blamed traffic control problems. Mm. And the experts I spoke to said, in most cases, the flights were canceled because of staffing issues that the airlines knew in advance. And that's what Bill McGee, he's with the American Economic Liberties Project. He's a fellow for air travel and uh, aviation travel there. He says it's just a situation of they let the pilots go when COVID hit, even though they got all this government money. And the goal, the only goal of that uh, money was to keep the pilots in the in the queue in case they needed them right away. They booked all these flights really aggressively and then couldn't get the crews to staff the flight. So they would book, they'd, they'd put a flight on the schedule, they'd let you buy the money, and then sometimes weeks out, they would cancel the flight. And sometimes you know, while you were at the airport, cancel the flight. He calls them phantom flights. that They were on there in order to get the money from people, but uh, that the, they had no intention uh, of, uh, of doing this kind of thing. He's, he's pretty brutal on what the uh, what the airlines have to say and we just did our podcast with him that'll be up with this story on thursday and bill just doesn't i mean it's no holes barred he just has a lot of things to say about the airlines and that this is just unacceptable behavior but that's sort of what we're you know what we're seeing now a lot of missed birthdays and graduations and funerals and vacations ruined and all that kind of thing now you you travel a lot uh correct her i used to i was doing when i was a cbs i did a hundred thousand miles a year wow that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so, so you know, and, and you've talked to, obviously, people who travel a lot for business. Mm-hmm. I, have not, I don't travel at all. I've not, sure. I've, not, I've not flown in many, many, many years. And, you know, even years before the pandemic affected however it works. But I've heard nothing but horror stories. Not nothing, but, you mm-hmm. know, a, a, a good majority of people who do traveling. Tell me some really crazy nightmare stories. And, and the numbers that you just rattle off are unbelievable. What can be done? I mean... Well, the stories are, I mean, the stories are like people you know, on their way to the airport or at the airport and then the flight is just canceled or, you know, they get they get uh, information a couple of weeks out that your flight is canceled. We've rebooked you on another flight. Well, maybe you don't want that other flight that lands, uh, you know, a day later or, you know, the wedding's over with. It doesn't do you any good, that kind of thing. Uh, there were a lot of lost baggage uh, situation delays. I mean, hours and hours uh, waiting for the plane or sitting on the tarmac. Um, I remember a number of years ago, the airline industry uh, had a similar situation. They promised to clean up their act, and I was flying back from Philadelphia. They promised they were going to keep passengers alerted to this, you know, when there's delays. Like, they will be absolutely updated on that. We'll keep them up to date because that's one of the major frustrations. And I have a shot of the screen at the airport in Philadelphia, Philadelphia International Airport, and it says, your flight will now be taking off. I'm making up these numbers, but you get the point. Your flight will be taking off at 630, and then the clock on the on the monitor said four, uh, 647. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gives you some indication of how accurate it was. But what's the point of the story was the DOT announced just before uh, the Labor Day holiday that it was going to issue a customer service dashboard. It launched on September 2nd. It told the airlines we're going to launch this thing as, I, I think, a way of pressuring them into maybe doing some more for people. And what it does is it says this dashboard, which you can see on the on the. DOT website, it tells you what the 10 major U.S. airlines and their regional uh, operating partners, because, you know, they use a lot of these little feeder flights, will do for you if possible when there's a delay or cancellation that's the airline's fault. If possible should be said really loudly. If possible, as in May, we may do this for you if possible. You're not a lawyer, but I know any lawyer worth their soul will tell you that it's not a contract if it says May. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Not that they shall, will, yeah. must, require to, you know. Right. And that's the whole problem. That's the point of the story. The consumer groups are saying the, you know, the U.S. Department of Transportation is taking great deal of pride in doing this thing and what the airlines must do for you. And it, it certainly is, you know, a lot clearer to look at this dashboard and see, you know, will this airline uh, rebook me at, at a no additional cost? And will the airline uh, you rebook me on another airline at no additional cost? And will they give me a meal voucher and that sort of thing? But again, it's if possible. And, you know, when it's a crowd of time like this summer, even though they say they'll rebook you on another flight at no cost or another airline at no cost, there weren't any seats. I mean, when they rebooked people, they were sitting in the airport three and four days to get this thing done. So, uh, you know, that's that's one of the problems. The other thing is uh, that uh, the consumer advocates all make a point that it's not this way in other parts of the world. For instance, in Europe, you know, there are regulations. There's a passenger's bill of rights, and it says what the airlines must, what they are required to do for you if there are delays or inconvenience or a canceled flight. This is what the airline must do for you. When must they feed you? When must they put you up in a hotel? When must they, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have a passenger bill of rights here, which consumer groups have been lobbying for for years and years, and we don't have the requirement. We have this DOT website, which, again, is nice to see what they'll do for you. Um, McGee, this guy who, as I said, is, is in our uh, Consumerpedia podcast that comes out on Thursday, um, he said to me, he says, I don't often quote Sarah Palin, but let me do it this one time. <laughs> he said, this is lipstick on a pig. I mean, bottom line, this is lipstick on a pig. <laughs> uh, one big shout out, by the way, to Delta Airlines, and they deserve a shout out. Delta is the only major carrier that is included as customer service guarantees in its contract of carriage. That's the agreement you sign with the airline, even though you don't know you sign it every time you buy a ticket. So they've actually made a legal agreement with their passengers to say, this is what we're going to do for you. That contract of carriage, which most passengers don't know about, when you get when you pay for that ticket, you have, by paying for that ticket, agreed to this contract of carriage, which could be sometimes 200 pages long, written by lawyers, favor the airlines. And even though you say, I didn't read it, no, you agreed by buying the ticket, you agreed to all these rules. So, so God bless Delta for putting this in the contract of carriage. Um, again, the uh, consumer groups want the, the DOT to do more. They want them to spell out and guarantee you know, what they have to do uh, in their customer service agreements, in their ca- contracts of carriage. If there's a delay of this, we'll do this. If it's, you know, accept, we'll, we'll give you a room when this happens, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, it's not, it's not impossible. Obviously, they're doing in Europe. You just pointed that out, all the things correct. that, are, that, you know, that right. people know about, that the consumer knows about when they go in. What do we know about? I mean, like, for instance, what do they what what do they require? Just the fact that you get a refund? Is that the only thing that really is required of them now? Well, the answer to your question, if it's canceled, yes, the difference, by the way, is they have regulators over in Europe that regulate. I mean, they do a lot of things to regulate. That's a whole different attitude than what we have in America. But yes, that is the absolutely number one takeaway from this story. And that's been a real big problem over the summer. If the airline cancels your flight, for any reason, underline for any reason, that's weather, that's traffic control, that's we didn't have a plane, that's we didn't have a pilot, the plane wasn't clean. If that flight is canceled, you are by DOT regulation. The one big regulation on the book is you are agreed, uh, a guarantee to get a full cash refund. The airlines must give you your money back. But what happened was, and what the airlines have been doing is, they'll say, okay, our fl- your flight's canceled. Um, we're going to give you a flight voucher good for anywhere in the continental United States for the next year or whatever. Or we're going to give you a whole bunch of miles for people who collect miles. They, and they haven't been, according to all the consumer advocates, they haven't been telling people that's an option you have, but you have the right to get the money back. 
So if you're not a frequent flyer, and most people, Nick, travel about once every 18 months, especially in the pandemic, it's probably even less. You don't know that you you have the right to the money back. You go, wow, Martha, they're giving me a voucher that I can fly anywhere in the United States for the next year. We were only going to go from Chicago to Oklahoma or whatever, you know? Yeah. No, they have to give you, they have to tell you you have the right to get that money back. And they can offer you something better. If you want to take the voucher, if you want to take the points, if you want to take the whatever, that's fine. But you're first, they have to tell you that you're, they're required to give you the money back. And I know they haven't been doing that. Uh, they've been telling people, uh, that, you know, hey, you want this, you want that. That's not the way it is. And the consumer groups are pressuring DOT to find these airlines. Co- uh, Congressman Markey estimates there are 10 million dollars worth of refunds that people were owed that they never got i don't know where he got that number from but he had a hearing and that's what he's come up with and the dot says yeah we're looking into it we're working on it uh but they haven't found any u.s airline one penny for what's going on here so these guys are pretty they're they're pretty intense about uh, the need to to do something here the fi- the story that you just sent me was uh that you just wrote i mean like literally you just a few minutes ago um, is that up yet on uh, at, at consumerman.com? It'll be up by hopefully by the time this uh, podcast goes out on Tuesday, and I'll and I'll tell you all about that. I just want to tell you one more thing. What they want yeah. with this story, they want the DOT to do what they want the DOT to do what the regulators in Europe are doing. They want them to spell out what a canceled flight is and what a significant change is. Do you realize that that's not even spelled out in the regulation? It says. If the airline makes a significant change to their to their, uh, to their flight, they have to do this for you. And then in parentheses it says, DOT has not yet determined what a significant delay is. Oh, that's oh, a great regulation. Man. <laughs> so it could be, yeah, you're, yeah. so, I mean, it could be anywhere between uh, 45 minutes to four days, and it still doesn't. Well, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and the airlines will say something like, well, we didn't cancel your flight. We rebooked you on the flight uh, two uh, weeks ago on a different flight. Well, that's, you know, so we need to spell out the terms. What's canceled? I would assume as a normal human being, and I bet you would, if I booked a flight from, to see you from Seattle to Chicago, and I had to be there to be on your your podcast. We were taping live, and they booked me on another flight. They got me there the day after. I bet I'd consider my flight canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I, it would be no good, you know. And so that this has to. So they're asking for this to be spelled out, and uh, you know, I just think it's time to do that. Uh, the well, uh, the airlines for America, by the way, the trade group that represents the airlines, um, they basically said that. Um, you know they they don't see the uh, the need for any uh, the need for any extra regulations that they're doing a fine job and et cetera et cetera. So, well, I mean it's you know I've been talking to you for many many years, Herb, and all of the stuff that you're saying and all the fine print and all that stuff. I don't know. To me, that sounds like a scam. <laughs> Well, it, it, seem, it sure seems like a regulatory agency uh, th- that should be doing more. And I got to be honest with you. Um, I don't mean to come down on the guy, but, you know, the consumer world was really uh, looking forward to Pete Buttigieg taking over the DOT from Elaine Chow. You know, it's the Republican administration. They're anti-regulation. And, uh, you know, he comes up with a dashboard for the first thing. No penalties have been levied against the airlines for all these things they did. Um, you know, proposed rulemaking. Uh, a proposal these days takes probably two years. And if we change administrations, uh, like the last time, uh, Trump just said we're not going to have those rules, so these rules won't, won't get anywhere if there's a Republican administration next time. I mean, it, it really is discouraging that these things, to me and to these consumer advocates, and I think to most people, seem so right, and yet we're just not, you know, just not making any headway on them. So the workaround for this is, and I don't know if this is going to come about, but uh, the attorneys general, the National Association of Attorneys General, are actually asking Congress, please give us the power to sue the airlines on behalf of our citizens 
uh, that uh, are not being taken care of or there's misleading or fraudulent practices by the airlines. The way the airlines were deregulated way back when, uh, I think when uh, when Ben Franklin was president, or, oh no, it wasn't Ben, it was Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> okay. uh, anyway, way, way back then was that there's only one regulator for the airlines, DOT. You as a consumer can't sue them in state court. State legislatures can't make rules to regulate them. Attorneys generals in the state can't regulate them. It's only the DOT. So they're saying, look, DOT, if you're not going to do anything, how about letting us do any, something? And they're asking Congress to write the law to allow them to do that. I mean, if you have a really good attorney general, like I do in my state, and I think you do in your state and in Massachusetts, and, and people are having these, not getting these refunds and, and they're being lied to, they would take these guys to court. And yeah. probably win some money, but they can't do that right now. They're absolutely shut down by this preemption clause, it's called, in the law that lets the, only the DOT regulate the airline. So that's another big thing that's going on. We'll see if that goes anywhere. Man, oh, man. I, I, I feel bad for the people who, I mean, you know, and Herb, as you said, you put in a lot of, a lot of hours and a lot of miles uh, of mm-hmm. traveling for work. But there are so many people. Millions of people who travel every single day, who travel all the time for their work. I can't imagine uh, how this you know, impacts them. Well, and travel is worse than when I traveled. I mean, the airplane, there, there are fewer flights. They go to fewer places. Uh, they're more crowded. You know, in the old days, if, I, if a flight got canceled or bumped or delayed, they put you on another flight right away. And they had all these interline agreements. I mean, I remember they say, well, we can't go. And you're going to miss your thing on CBS this morning. But we'll put you on this other flight over here with the other airline. Just give me your ticket. and They'll take care of you. Well, they have those agreements, but they never want to do that. They, know, they never want to pay somebody else to fly you where they could fly you so they come up with all the answers and excuses if you like i said if you get bumped the peak travel season um you know uh they're going to put you on another flight that could be three days later i mean we've heard the horror stories and i gotta tell you with the travel coming up for thanksgiving and the travel coming up for christmas time it's going to be a nightmare again things are better but they're not where they should be if there's weather delays or problems or if covid starts again um you better have a plan b uh, or something in mind or maybe think carefully about it uh because uh, I guarantee you there's already predictions that it's going to be a travel nightmare for the holidays. And do you think that maybe, and this is just me being as cynical as possible, <laughs> um, but do you think that maybe because, you know, because of where we are now, that maybe the airlines and the, uh, the other people involved are being a little lackadaisical because it's like, well, look, you're not going to miss anything. Everybody works from Zoom. Everybody works from home. Is that an excuse for them to be even more lackadaisical because people now can connect and do their work remotely as opposed to it's essential for them to be in the place? I think that well, that might think- be another, another reason for them to – another excuse for them to use. If it is, it's certainly not a good one. I'm going home to have Thanksgiving with my family. I'm going to have Thanksgiving with my family. You can't. You can't do a Zoom turkey. You can't right, do right, a Zoom no. turkey. No. And you know when it, when you buy a ticket and that contract of carriage says you pay us the money and we're going to take you someplace. That's their part of the bargain. We yep. paid the money and and the on the ridiculously high fares, highest fares in five years, uh, according to the latest figure I saw. And the airline fares are going up and they're going to be even higher for the holidays. You know, all we expect you to do is get us there reasonably on time and safely. That's sort of like all we're asking. I mean, they, they keep squeezing us in. They The seats are getting smaller. Consumer advocates say that the seats are so small that, you, that, that people couldn't evacuate a plane in an emergency. They've been able to get away with a lot of this stuff that a lot of people would like to see done because they're not a lot of them anymore. And uh, they're sort of like one of these, you know, too big to fail industry kind of things. And they've gotten a lot, you know, they got the big bailout. And and people take it. They go, what am I going to do? What can one individual yeah. do? 
that's why we have regulators. That's why we have Congress. If Congress or the regulators would do, you know, the the one uh, uh, one person suggested me that guy McGee, uh, the travel guy, the uh, consumer guy, he said to me, mm-hmm. Bill McGee, he said, you know, everybody's pissed off this year. Everybody said, even Congress, because they flew home a lot and got stuck in these delays. Because usually members of Congress, say, oh, well, Congressman, let us get you on this flight. We'll bump so, you know. And now yeah. it's like there. So maybe maybe they'll realize this terrible situation we have right now. But it's a mess. It's just a mess. It's very important for Ted Cruz to get to uh, to Cuba on vacation. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Mexico. But, <laughs> exactly. Mexico. Yeah. Sorry. That's right. It's Mexico. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's right. Uh, it was Cabo, wasn't it? Yes, it was Cabo, yes. if I'm not yes. mistaken. Because his yes. kids told him he had to go. That's right. I forgot. It's not Cuba. God, God, no, he would never go to Cuba. He'd never kidding? go to Cuba. Are you no kidding way. me? Uh, anyway, the, all this stuff is being uh, followed beautifully and covered uh, uh, you know, in detail by the Consumer Man. Check out ConsumerMan.org and, of course, ConsumerMan.com and, of course, Checkbook.org. Um, and, and, and the second yeah. story you were mentioning, which we didn't get to yet, and I'll just mention because yeah. it comes up by the time this comes out. So the other rule that the DOT has in the rulemaking process, which – uh, is a fairly good rule is to make it easier for you to know the true cost of flying. So when you see those prices, either from the airline online or from a travel website like Travelocity or Expedia or an aggregator like Kayak or Scott's Cheap Flights, rather than seeing the fare, which is all the airlines want you to see because they make a whole lot of their money now on fees, they want the airlines to be forced to put to have a system where you could check everything and then the airline could tell you, if you wanted to see you could say, no, I don't care, or I want to see it, tell you, okay, it's a family of four, we're traveling with two kids, we want to sit together with the kids, we're putting on, we're ca- doing four carry-on bags, we're doing two check bags, uh, we're going to have the Wi-Fi, what's it going to cost? Because that's where the prices are different, they all have different baggage prices, uh, they all have different fee prices, uh, you know, they make a huge billions of dollars on fees every single year, so if you're just comparing the fares, which are fairly comparable in most cases, uh, or there, there could be a couple of examples where they're comparable. And then when you finally get to the end, it says, oh, now here are all the fees. Well, you've already spent all that work. You've already invested. Are you going to go click on to the airline's website? How much am I paying for baggage? How much am I paying for this? Yeah, you could do it. It's a pain. I tried it when I tried to book a, a fare for this story. And uh, so they want that to all be disclosed up front. Uh, I, I do, I'm a big believer in disclosure. That's the, that's, you know, Information is a consumer's friend. Right. So I would like to say, and what I did, uh, Nick, to, to just to show the, uh, the, the how, how it can make a difference. So I decided to book a fare uh, for a one-way nonstop flight to see you from Seattle to Chicago, Monday, October the 10th. You better have some uh, Giordano's pizza waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, so the three cheapest flights on the Google flight search were United at 177, another United flight at 196, and Alaska Airlines for 238. Southwest, which doesn't put on flight prices on a lot of websites, but I knew to check, they were 177 okay? So, but I'm going to travel with two bags because I want to bring home some of those frozen pizzas when I go to Chicago. So then I had to search the United and Alaska Airline websites to see what their baggage charges are. I know that Southwest doesn't charge for baggage. So, United, it's 35 for the first bag. 45 for the second bag. Alaska is 30 for the first, 40 for the second. So the two bags, again, will be free at Southwest. So let's do the math. The true cost of the flight on United would be 257 or 276. Remember, 177 or, or 196. And uh, 309 on Alaska, not 239. And 177 on Southwest. You see how the lack of information could steer you in yeah. the wrong direction? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, it's 40 bucks a bag? 
Jeez. 30 for the first, 40 for the second. A, a consumer tip, by the way, if you get the airline's credit card, even if you have no reason to use it but you do fly, in most cases uh, they will let you check the bag for free or at least one bag for free. So get the – unless it's got a – you know, there is there usually is a fee for that, but depending on – it, how much you're flying and what you're doing, you might save more money by getting the, the airline's credit cards. One last thing for all your parents listening, <laughs> and that is that the airlines can charge uh, to, seat, to seat you with your kids. Did you know that, Nick? No. Well, it I don't really, have kids, so no. Uh, it really upsets parents. You, what do you mean, I have to pay to be guaranteed to sit with my kids? I mean, that's like a safety issue. What if, what if the plane has an emergency and I got to be with my kids and the whole routine? So what the DOT regulation does is it says that the airlines are required to tell you if there's a fee to do that, but not prohibit a fee to do that. Again, not sitting very well with consumer advocates who want the DOT to do just a little bit more for the flying public. Wow. Jeez, that's crazy. That's overwhelmingly weird. <laughs> oh and with the end of that story, I doubt I'm getting a uh, a getting a Hanukkah card from Pete Buttigieg this year. But I'm sorry that so. what it is is what it is. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right. Uh, well, now well, let's let's get into something less controversial. <laughs> that would be student loans. Oh no, we're going to get into that uh, student loan relief program. Uh, is going to launch in early this month, or has it launched yet? Because it is October. It's, uh... it's just ready to. It's a government. They'll, they'll, it'll be in early October. They'll get this thing up and going. And okay. uh, I, I, you know, I don't have to beat a dead horse with this, but uh, and it could change. Things are changing. Uh, the Biden administration already made some uh, little changes to what they've been telling people. But basically, uh, you know, the government's going to provide relief to as many as twenty-seven million, more or less, maybe twenty million of the borrowers who uh, have remaining balance on their accounts. Uh, the place to go is. Studentaid.gov to get all the latest information. They have your eligibility requirements, how much income, and also which loans are covered. But basically, it's up to twenty grand in debt cancellation with loans held by the federal government to Pell Grants, and ten thousand dollars in debt cancellation to non-Pell Grant recipients. They're trying to keep this to more middle and low-income people, so annual income in 2020 or 2021 to less than 125,000 for individual or married filing separately or 250,000 for married filing jointly or head of household. It covers most federal student loans. Um, and again, uh, just make sure you check at studentaid.gov. What you can do now, Nick, to get ready for both the payment restarting in January and also if you qualify for this information is to make sure all of your information is up to date with your loan servicer and also with the government and studentaid.gov. It's been two years since a lot of people are more, since anybody has paid anything. You may have moved. The servicer may have gone out of business. Uh, you may have a different bank account. Uh, so it's really important and if you get, you know, that way by going to studentaid.gov, you'll get all the notices that will make sure you're up to date on all the information so you can rely on accurate information, not some text or social media or something that's scammy that could possibly send you in the in the right direction uh, or the wrong direction, I should say. Um, in the article I posted on checkbook.org, I did a Q&A because there are a lot of questions people have. I don't want to do the whole thing, but can I hit just a couple of highlights? Please. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the, here's the one that a lot of people don't know the answer to. Do I need to apply for the relief? Or is the relief going to be automatic? And the answer is about 8 million borrowers, borrowers will get debt relief automatically. Most will need to apply. You may not know whether that's you or not. So the best answer is to go on 
and when the form is available on studentaid.gov and apply. It could speed the process up. It could make sure uh, that you uh, that you get the money. There is, a, is there a deadline? Yes, December 31st of 2023. But you want this as soon as possible. And uh, so the experts are telling me, try to get this done by November 15th, if you can, uh, so that you can get this all taken care of before the, the repayments start again in January. That would make a lot of sense. Um, and uh, then if I have multiple loans, can I pick the ones that are canceled? That might seem like you'd say, hey, government, please cancel this one first and this one. No, you don't get it. You don't get any choice on that. The government has an order, uh, a batting lineup that they will go down to decide uh, which uh, which loans uh, get canceled in what order. Um, so and then another really good one is debt relief taxable. And the answer is, you might not believe this, but it's actually not, because <laughs> they usually try to get you for everything. Uh, it's not It's not taxable for the federal uh, income tax. Uh, every state has its own rules and regulations, but I can tell you uh, that uh, it's, it's at least uh, not for the federal. So those are just some of the things. I run down a whole Q&A. I tell you where to go, have links in the story, checkbook.org. The one final point is, and everybody's making this point now, Beware of scams. This is a golden opportunity for con artists. There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of confusion. Uh, there have been delays getting the information out from the federal government. They're going to try to cash in. The big scam is going to be we can either get cut the paperwork for you, get you at ahead of the line, or get you more money than you're legally owed. That should be a red flag right there. If you get a text, a tweet, social media, anything like that that promises they can do more for you than you could do on your own, and especially if they want money or your personal information, run as fast as you can because you're dealing with a con artist. And I just hope people are smart enough not to get burned by this. You do this on your own, and if you, as soon as you fill out the form, everything's going to happen. Mm. And, and uh, you know, as soon as this kind of stuff happens or like the, you know, the whole student loan story breaks about the debt, mm-hmm. and, you know, and all that, you know that scammers are just rubbing their hands together ready to go. They were sending text messages out making calls as soon as this happened. Absolutely. You know, they, they use confusion. And, you know, this one isn't that confusing. I mean, if it's all there to read and it's all the forms are all there, they'll be there online. It seems confusing. It's financial. But you don't need an intermediary to do this stuff with you, and especially to pay somebody money or give them, please don't, don't do this. Give them your personal information, which means they could go in and steal your your money. You know, if, they, if you give them your student, like, oh, you need your student loan information, well, they could go in and, and get all that money that's supposed to come to you and then try to deal with the government to tell them you're, that'll take you for the rest of your lifetime. Uh, well, you know, obviously, you cover all of this stuff for, for people, yes. and uh, and any student loan uh, um, questions. That, and, and again, the the program is going to be launching. Well, it's the government, so it could launch. Uh, you know, they said uh, early October, so you know, so so December. <laughs> While you're carving your pumpkin, they'll be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. All right. Now, speaking of scammers, which we always do, and this is one of the things that uh, you know we talk about all the time. Sure. Uh, more scammers uh, doing things through hacked Facebook accounts. Um, and I think anybody who's had a Facebook account, which I do, uh, and, uh, and use quite frequently, uh, mm-hmm. to post things and to plug this podcast and to plug mm-hmm. any other events and, and things like that, post things. Uh, I think a lot of people have had issues with their Facebook account being hacked, um, and going, you, you go in, you change your password, you do whatever you need to do, uh, to do that. But, uh, you know, hacking Facebook accounts is kind of a normal thing. It happens, you know, every day. Sure. Uh, and but yet now this is another way for even old uh, Facebook accounts that are hacked for scammers to jump in and and pull a, a scam a new scam that's actually an old scam. What's going? Yeah, on? Yeah, we're, we're talking about the receiving end of this. So you know, yeah. if, if you're if you're uh, you know some uh, your account is hacked and you're sending me a direct message and it's the message whatever the, the what account is hacked. 
I may not know your account is hacked and I may trust it and the scammers are doing that. You know, part of the problem before I forget this is the reason why these are so easily hacked is A, people use lousy passwords on their social media, which is a big mistake because how many people log on to all kind of other accounts using their social media account? So this should be a very secure password. And number two, they use the same passwords on a lot of things. So if you use a lousy password on your uh, on your social media account that's the same lousy password you used on the PTA or your neighborhood Facebook page or whatever, uh, you know, that that's easy for the, the, the con artists to get. So they hack the account. And I'm going to tell you a victim story. So I spoke to Patricia. She's 55 old. She's uh, retired. She lives on a fixed income in Boston. And she got a message from her uncle. She said, it's my favorite uncle. She was ecstatic because uh, he told her that he had just been approved for a $130,000 grant. It was legitimate. I did it. I got the $130,000. And he said, you're going to be hearing from somebody who helped me do this. And there's money waiting for you. Great, she saw. That's wonderful. So she gets contacted by Agent David. Uh, and with this story, by the way, on Checkbook, I actually have the text message that he sent her. And David sent her a chart. It's federal government grant winning list. <laughs> I'm looking win. at it right now. I'm looking at you it right win, now. You don't yeah. win a federal grant, by the way. Right, and, right. Yeah. And he gave her the whole uh, the whole list as you see. So five hundred bucks gets you thirty grand. If she had one hundred thirty thousand, she'd have to pay fifteen hundred, and then you can go up to ten thousand dollars to get a thousand a million dollars. It doesn't work that way. Um, but she was convinced, and she wanted to get the uh, the one hundred thirty thousand dollars. So David told her. Uh, that this wasn't any money. You know, you weren't paying money. This was just a clearance fee, you know, a delivery fee. It's the, the grant's free. There's no charge for the grant. We're just like, you know, doing this for you. So anyway, he told her she wanted the $130,000, but she didn't have enough money because her Social Security hadn't come. So David said, all right, I'm going to cut you some slack. We'll give you the money for $500. What you do is you go to the store and you buy five $100 Steam cards. Are you familiar with Steam cards? Um, I am not. Okay, if you were... 12 years old. I mean, if you were a young teen, you would. Uh, okay. That's what you play PC games on. I didn't know it either. Oh, okay. No idea. <laughs> right. So you buy Steam cards, and it gives you time to play to play games. Um, so she'd never heard of that, but she went around to a few stores, and uh, she was only able to get $380 worth of the cards. She went home, and she showed it to her husband, and they noticed that on the thing it said, download and play thousands of your favorite games, PC games. She goes, well, that doesn't make any sense. And her husband said, I think this is a scam. She called the cops. The cops came over, and the guy said, yeah, this is a scam. Unfortunately, I can't do anything for you because you never gave him the money. You haven't been a victim of a crime at this point in time. Not to mention, if she had given the money, there's nothing a local police department can do with right. cybercrime with somebody who's probably over in another country somewhere. Right. Right, right. But so she is basically stuck with $380 that she has locked onto these Steam cards. She can't use them. The stores won't give her her money back. I mean, she bought them. I told her how she could possibly sell them online. There are some websites that buy uh, gift cards. She'll, she won't get her full money to them. But if she had gone all the way through... And giving them the numbers off the back of the card, they would have sucked that $380 off the cards. She would have never heard from them again. They would have never been able to be traced. And this poor woman who's living on Social Security would have been out $380. Uh, so the bottom grant, yeah. government grants are free. Yeah. Grants. Yeah. Contacts you like that. And just be aware that your your Facebook account can be hacked. And if it looks like it's from somebody you trust and it sounds weird, call them up and say, hi, favorite uncle. Did you really tell me I just won the, the mega bucks lottery and I never even entered it? And you'll find out that it's a scam. Yeah. God, uh, it, it just it, it, it's unbelievable what what 
how, how, how this goes, how, how, how far they would go to scan. With all this brain power, if they put it to good use, they could cure cancer for crying out loud. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, 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 in impersonation scams are all over the place, though, not just yeah. like in Facebook, but everywhere in sure. social media, people yep. are doing the impersonation scams. That's a big one. Yep, absolutely. Yep, and they, because they can get away with it. People trust social media. Don't trust it. It's just one more vector to get you. That's true. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, speaking of social media, one of my least favorite social media things in the world, Herb, but we've discussed it before, is the wonderful world of TikTok, mm -hmm. um, which I just don't understand. I can't stand it. And, of course, we've talked about this whole people now make money as, quote, unquote, influencers. Right. And it's, it's just the, the world of social media and the world of these hip apps. You know, let's get on the gram and let's do a TikTok and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that has also opened the door for all kinds of uh, uh, scam things. And just really weird underhanded behavior uh, taking advantage of these apps. And that's another thing that people need to look out for. I mean, I know everybody loves to do their TikTok and they love to do their Instagram and stuff. But there are there, there are warnings that need to be posted with all of the usings of this. Of yeah, I mean, media. a lot of these are fake. A lot of these uh, are testimonials from people who are getting paid. A lot of these are testimonials from people who never use the product. Uh, you know, just again, because it comes into TikTok and looks really good, or it's, you know, it doesn't mean that it's it's legit or not influenced or biased or totally bogus. It's yeah. it's it's out there like everything. Else. I know it's the cool hip place, but it's every bit as dangerous as any other social media platform that's out there. Well, and, uh, and I had mentioned to you that one of my favorite TV shows, which is now a streaming show on Paramount+, Plus, it spent one season on commercial television on CBS, and then it was transferred over to the CBS-owned uh, Paramount+, Plus, yep. uh, is a show called Evil, which just finished up its third season, and it's one of my favorite shows. Uh, one, it's horror-related, and that's, you know, that makes sense now because it's Halloween time, so uh, mm -hmm. it's appropriate to talk about it. And I love scary stuff, and I love this show. I love the acting. I love everything about it. And they tend to jump into the world of technology a lot on this show. They're very – the writers, the creators, the, the actors, and, and everybody involved are very hip and up-to-date on uh, the world of technology, especially social media and apps. And they've done a couple of episodes where they really analyze, satirize, and take apart the world of influencers and how apps and things – are used to screw people up and in this case scare the hell out of people and and yep. and use it for various strange and I and I asked you if you'd ever seen uh, evil and you hadn't but I did suggest you watching a couple of episodes that where they really kind of really satirize and take apart TikTok in particular or a TikTok type thing uh, did yep. you watch a little bit of Evil? And I apologize for the content. <laughs> I, uh, I scared my wife. Uh, I did. Uh, yes, I did my homework. We watched the entire Demon of Algorithms, yeah. uh, which was very, very interesting. And for those who haven't watched it, it's basically the uh, people of the church gets uh, hooked on the algorithms. Their phone's going off all the time. They realize how invasive it is, but they can't. They have to look, even though they turn away. They got to go look and see what what's going on. And yeah. somebody who even faked uh, faked uh, a demonic situation in order to get likes and whatever you get on, on whatever this fake platform they created was. Uh, I, I wrote down a couple of quotes from this, Nick. Uh, the, uh, the, the priest and the other people on the team went to go see the person who was running this, uh, this site. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the priest said uh, that the app was nefarious. And she said, do you call bringing the world together nefarious? And he said, together for what? And she said, that's up to the world. Mm -hmm. And then she told him, the algorithm has one goal in mind. The goal is to keep you engaged, not make you a better person. And because he said it keeps taking it darker and darker and darker stuff. And she says, well, the app knows what you secretly want. And a lot of what that show is about was really true. 
The, the people who write these algorithms know how to suck you in. They know how to push your buttons. They know how to take you deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. Um, people are spending hours, hours a yeah. day on these things. I don't know how anybody gets any work done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing goes off and it's like, you know, uh, the, 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 the likes and the things or the shares or whatever the different platform is. It's like, and, and you know what, the whole thing, I call it anti-social media, because the whole thing is set up and why we have so much depression with young people is it's a bragging platform. Look at me. My parents took me to Cancun. Look at me. I'm on a big sailboat. Look at me. My, my boyfriend gave me this big diamond ring. I bet you don't have one this big. Right. It makes people feel small, and it's 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 basically na-na-na-na-na, so much of it. Not all of it. There's some good stuff there, like my thing and your podcast or whatever, but so much of it is just it's just braggadocious nanana stuff and it, it's just and, and it's so much of it is evil and and bad and it's just uh negative and a lot of it's fake and it you just fall down this rabbit hole and just get sucked in and they know exactly and they do know more than you know about yourself there's a famous case of of the one of the big uh big box stores uh, this uh, this girl was pregnant, hadn't told her family yet that she was pregnant, and the father picked up the mail, and there was a uh, uh, an envelope with uh, coupons for baby formula and diapers that had come in the mail from the big box store, and it's like, are you pregnant? She's oh yeah. How'd they know? Because they pregnant women tend to buy certain things, and the algorithm put it all together, and and you're pregnant. Here are the coupons. That's it's creepy. It's terrifying. That's creepy. Well, I mean, I, I'm glad that you ended up watching uh, uh, a little bit of uh, of Evil. It's a hard show. Like, I know you're diving headfirst into something that's been on for three yeah. seasons, and I'm sure there were scenes where you were like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> well, when that giant bug came about, that was kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I did want to... I, I did, raid, you know, with the raid! <laughs> yeah. But I did, yeah, it's true. But I did want you to know that there is a show that's taking this stuff on and satirizing yeah. it pretty, pretty pointedly, I think. Yeah, I may watch more, but I, th- I mean, my wife might not join me, but uh, I don't want any <laughs> nightmares, but I, I may watch. I thought that it was a very interesting cast. They did a really, really good job. I'm glad you so, liked it. All right, yeah. Herb, always a pleasure, my friend. We will talk again next month. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I will uh, I will talk to you then. And uh, checkbook.org, everybody can uh, can check it out there, consumerman.com. And uh, if you want to, uh, and if pe- people want to take advantage of the, of the free uh, link that you're setting up for my uh, listeners, how can they do that one more time? Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, which will give you the individual ratings in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, D.C. Okay. All right, Herb. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks very much. Have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving. Have Have a good Halloween. (laughs) Have a good Halloween, Nick. Okay, buddy. Take care. Bye. Uh, There you go. Herb Weissbaum, uh, the consumer man. Check out consumerman.com, checkbook.org. Now, if you want to know about cars, for the People continues, and it's all for you. Let's say hello to Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costume. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car, the sultan of cylinder, Tom Appel. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Hi, Tom. Hello. Hi. For those of you who were not with us when we weren't recording, and that would just be me and Tom and an IT guy. <laughs> um, boy, the last like half hour ish has been an adventure in trying to um, hook up our our little connection here. And I believe what ultimately it came down to was a shoddy pair of headphones. Is that what it comes down to? The whole thing, Tom. A very expensive pair of shoddy headphones. I'm very disappointed. But I think every time we try and visit, these headphones confound us. And today they confounded us 
the most. It was unbelievable. I don't know how many times I've said, I can hear you. Hello, can you hear me? Hello, testing, testing. Hello, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I said it about 1,400 times. In- <laughs> and I am now on a pair of Discman headphones that are working just fine. See, man, the, oh, I'm telling you, old technology. I'm telling yeah. you right now. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm gonna put on a I'm gonna put on a cassette a cassingle after this and listen to some music. I think that's what I'm gonna do. So, so the well, bad news is I'm I'm not listening in stereo. Oh um. no. <laughs> uh oh. Well, you know how important it is. Well, what? Let me let me. You know, Carrie Russell comes only in one speaker. Hold Hi, on. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Can you hear Carrie Russell? I heard her in both ears. Ah, uh, how about that? She's yeah. fantastic. All right. <laughs> she breaks all the rules. That's that's my my love, Carrie. Well, how are you, Tom? I'm good, thank you. All right. The uh for the uh for the people episode continues now with Tom Appel, who is our car guy, consumer guide automotive. Um I'll tell everyone about consumer guide automotive as our car guy. Yeah, we've been around since nineteen sixty seven. Mostly we focus on new car reviews and car culture these days. And if people want to check us out, you can just go to consumerguide.com. I recommend if you're not looking for a car, just go to our blog. That's where the fun right. stuff is. The blog stuff, and we'll get into a bunch of blog stuff yeah. and a lot of, and, and, uh, and all the other stuff and a lot of the articles and, the, and issues and things that you've been following. And there's been a lot of car, you know, significant car stories in the news lately, obviously, with the economy and, uh, you know, uh, uh, computer chips and gas and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> There's always stuff to talk about, and you review cars uh, at Consumer Guide Automotive. One of the things that you're best known for, test driving cars and letting people know what's a good drive, what's a good car, what isn't. What have you been driving lately, Tom? I always love to start with that. I just drove one of the silliest things you can buy for 2022 or 2023, and that is the Ford Bronco Raptor. So the Ford Bronco, well, yeah, which is does it have does it have very short front wheels? <laughs> <laughs> it does not, but oh. that's a. Re- I think that's a reasonable assumption, actually. <laughs> very long, very long back wheels, but very short front wheels. I, You're making yeah. me realize that Raptor is kind of a silly name for a car. <laughs> really? We've yeah. disco- wait a minute. We've discovered a silly, a silly name for a car. How did go that fi- happen? Go figure. <laughs> Tell me about the Raptor. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, seriously beefed up. So the Bronco is Ford's take on the Wrangler, the Jeep Wrangler. Very popular. Hard to get one right now. There's long waiting lists. But for some reason, they decided to take that, despite the fact that they can sell everything they can make, and do a Raptor version, which is a, an up-horsepower, lifted, big wheels and tires, off-road ready vehicle that is supremely silly and kind of fun to drive. Uh, and I did find a place to get it muddy over the weekend. So, oh, where, uh, where was that? Where'd you go, man? Palatine. I hate to give this away. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't pass that up. Uh, in order to get your car muddy, you need to go to Palatine. You Is need that... to go to Palatine. Uh huh. Okay. And and buried behind the McDonald's on Northwest Highway in Palatine <laughs> is a place where Palatine dumps mulch and dirt. It's just there. It's open to the public. There might be a warning sign. I've never really looked at it too closely. <laughs> It's just sort of dirty and mulchy, and it's a great place to take a vehicle like this. Oh, my God. Uh, so, okay. Palatine, your off-road capital. Wow. I, uh, I used to go to – oh, man, Palatine. There used to be a, um, a, like a music bar in Palatine, like, a, like a, a place to see bands. And I used to go see – I can't remember the name of the place. It was like a bar in Palatine. Oh, chances are. That's it. Yes, dude, yes, that's it. And I used to to go there. We used to go there. My friends and I used to go there once a month because the Black Sabbath tribute band War Pigs would play there. 
<laughs> and, and we would go to Chances Are, and I think there was another, but Chances Are was the big one. We used to go there every month to see our buddies in War Pigs blast out the Sabbath. So I'm, I'm, I, but I don't recall my car getting muddy while going there. But uh, Well, they have a paved parking lot, so there's sort right. of a... Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. An island of civilization in Palatine. So, so wait a minute. Let me do. So, what do you think? You're 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 driving. Okay, first of all, let me just get this sentence out. Yeah. Driving around in a Raptor, getting in muddy in Palatine. That's what we're talking about right here. You're in a Raptor, getting the Raptor muddy in Palatine. That's that's if, what's happening. If I was writing a diary entry about my weekend, I would title it that. So how does that pop? How, okay, you're dry, you got this Raptor, you're test driving it, you're like, hey, I got an idea. Palatine! How does that, how does that happen, Tom? Well, I happen to live in Palatine. So oh, I okay. Have, I have used this space before, and one of the things I really wanted was just a big pile of dirt so that I could get one wheel up in the air so you could see the skid plates <laughs> under the vehicle. So I did that. I did that. I, I really wish somebody were videoing this. I swear to God. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, all right, and 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 practi- in, in in practical terms, how exactly does this apply? <laughs> well, <laughs> because it's I mean, outs- has- outside of you having fun near your home, you know what I mean. <laughs> how does how does this apply? How does this apply to like a regular review of a of a of a car? Everything I say next is an excuse for having fun, but <laughs> I did really want to get pictures of the underneath of the vehicle. So I, I did, see. I, okay. I did accomplish that. Gotcha. Okay, you're earning your paycheck. I understand. Yes, Stop. sort of. Yes, that's fantastic. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, it's going to be anticlimactic from here. I'm telling you right now. But what else? <laughs> what else? What else have you driven lately, Tom? I just. I just got a Lincoln Navigator that I literally picked up the keys this morning. Um, this is Lincoln's big crossover. It's actually an SUV, not a crossover. I'm driving a long version of this vehicle. One of the fun things about this is the Revel audio system, which is incredible, and I love to I love to hear the tunes in the car. Yeah. But the but the, but the window sticker on this is a little frightening. One hundred and seven thousand dollars. Holy. Jesus! Wow. Yeah, big money, big money, even for a Lincoln. But but people pay that. People like these these huge crossovers. Wow! Wow! Oh my God! Okay, all right. Um, anything else new uh, that people have been writing about at uh, Consumer Guide Automotive before we jump into your uh, topics? And I do have a couple of dumb car questions that I always like to ask Tom. Anything uh, 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 that you want to talk about that pe- other people have been writing about, or you've been uh, covering? Um, I've got a story going up this week about the Hyundai Kia Kia Boys Hyundai Boys theft ring, and 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 that madness and and Hyundai's response to that. So that'll be going up later this Wait, week. But I'm, I'm sorry for people who might not know. Uh, there's a th- a Hyundai theft ring. Yeah. So there's a problem with late model Hyundai's and Kias that ends with the 2022 model year. They're insanely easy to steal if you have a key start vehicle. So most of these vehicles have the push-button start, no problem. Right. But the vehicles with key start, you turn a key to start them, usually lower trim levels. Um, a video that appeared on TikTok made, made it clear that these vehicles are insanely easy to steal. TikTok. God damn TikTok. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, I, I hate I was already sick of TikTok, I and now hate, this. I can't even explain to you how much I hate TikTok and think it's the most worthless thing on the planet. God, I hate TikTok. So, 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 what are people? What, what, what can people do? Uh, you know, to prevent this. Unfortunately, Hyundai's first response was to mail people the club, 
which seems like no, a terrible. No. <laughs> yes. Come on. Seriously. Seriously, they were actually sending them to police departments, and they were asking police no. to distribute them as necessary. No, now hold on. Are you sure this isn't your headphones talking? <laughs> <laughs> or a terrible, terrible dream? What no. in God's name? Oh. And, wow. and the thing about this that's so crazy is is anyone who's had to have a car key replaced recently knows that car keys are stupid expensive to replace 75 to 200 bucks because what? they're coded yeah they're really expensive and it's a theft protection thing each each key has a uh, what they call a passive diode in it and your car reads that key so that it knows that you actually have a real key and you can start the car. It's an excellent theft deterrent system, but it made replacing keys super expensive. For whatever reason, in 2022, and these things have been around since the 90s, uh, Hyundai isn't putting this in their cars. And oh. people found out about it. And, and you can just, with a screwdriver, you can just start a Hyundai Kia that you broke the steering column of. It's insane. That's completely nuts. Holy cow. Well, anyway, yeah. you got you have a full uh, piece that you guys are that you're working on, and you're gonna and that's gonna pop up when? Uh, probably Friday. Okay. TikTok. God. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. I have a couple of stupid car questions that we can Ooh. get to before we get to now. You know, as you know, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm kind of embarrassed to ask this question. I don't know really. I don't really know much about cars. So because I'm already a moron, I will happily ask these questions for people so that they don't feel dumb. So, and, and these are very common questions, Tom, that, I, uh, that I've been asked. I, I ask you one or two each time we talk. Yeah. All right. So here's the next one that's, that they have listed here. What is the difference between a two-stroke and a four-stroke engine? <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Okay. I, I, what's the answer, and why are you laughing? I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I don't know why anyone would be asking that question in 2022. Two st- <laughs> Two-stroke engine. Every car that you drive now, every car you see on the road is a four-stroke engine. There's just four strokes to the cycle. There's intake where air is pulled into the piston, into the cylinder. There's compression where it's compressed or pushed back up. That's two strokes. And then the third stroke is expansion or the explosion. That's the power stroke that pushes the piston down and turns the crankshaft. And then exhaust where the piston comes up and forces the air out. That's four-stroke. Every car out there is like that now. But there used to be something called two-stroke, which was incredibly efficient, right, because you were using two fewer strokes so the engine had to spin less to provide more power however however it was insanely filthy uh air was vented in through the crankcase nothing was clean it was super powerful but there was blue smoke that followed these cars and the bad part was you had to add oil to your gas making the emissions Uh even dirtier oh my god in america subarus and sobs were the last vehicles to use two-stroke engines. And still you'll find lawnmowers and leaf blowers use these oh. systems. Oh, okay. So this question is for, 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 for lawn maintenance then. Yes. Okay. Yes, if you're a landscaper. <laughs> okay, cool. If you're a uh, landscaper, remember, this, this matters to you. I remember back in the day, a buddy of mine, when I worked at McDonald's, and we're, so we're talking, you know, 40 years ago, uh, working at McDonald's, a buddy of mine was like, he, he, he fancied himself like a car expert dude. And people uh-huh. would, and he, he, you know, he was one of the gr- guys that worked in the grill in the back with me at uh, McDonald's. But anybody who had a car question, you always ask Marty. Go ask Marty. His name was Marty. I'm glad his <laughs> name. And he'd be like, "Let's go ask Marty." Whatever your part question. And I remember one time he went out, and a, and a buddy of mine, we were just hanging out because sometimes, you know, uh, when you weren't working at McDonald's back in 1980, you know, three or four or whatever, 
uh, you just hang out in the parking lot because you know that was what you did when you were like you right. know, 17, yeah. 18, 19 years old. You just hang out in the McDonald's parking lot on Irving Park and Major in the middle of the city. So uh, we're hanging out in the parking lot, and my buddy pulls up in his car, and uh, he's like, "Man, I don't know. It's a, 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 kind of a weird smell in my car, and uh, and I don't really know what's going on. And there's like uh, some weird color coming out of the out of the uh, pipe at the in the back there." And I'm like, hey, man, let's go get Marty. He's working. So, so we go because, you know, that's the guy. You go to Marty, man. Marty. So Marty's, Marty, Marty's working. And I go in. I'm like, hey, Marty, come on back. Come on out. You know, the manager, of course, is pissed because I'm taking Marty out of the grill when he should be making Big Macs. Uh, and I'm like, Marty, come on. And Marty was always – Marty was one of those guys, Tom, and I'm sure you know these guys, would be very excited to tell you what was wrong with your car. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> do you ever get that you ever get that you're like in yourself do you, when someone asks you hey what's wrong with my car and then you can diagnose it and people go oh thanks man does that ever yeah, give love, you a- it's cool when i know the answer too like yeah. two-stroke versus four-stroke <laughs> yeah. like that fell right into my wheelhouse that was right, a lucky for, one for, so any of your lawnmower needs you're the guy <laughs> <laughs> so, so so anyway marty comes out and he's like all right uh what's the problem man you know uh, marty and he was just he was kind of he was kind of a smart ass dick anyway uh so <laughs> the guy who owns the car gets behind the car he's like go ahead start it up man so he starts it up and he's in park and he guns the engine and blue smoke pours out of the back and marty just looks at him he goes all right stop 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 and he turns the car off and marty just goes you're burning oil he turns around and walks back into mcdonald's <laughs> so was he right was he bur- <laughs> i mean i mean you just mentioned this blue smoke does that have something that you you mentioned oil in there was marty yeah in- no that's exactly right blue smoke <laughs> is usually oil and in, in those days in those days it was your right. rings let me uh, add to this. Oh, okay, your, okay. It's the rings. I know it's the rings. <laughs> Maybe he did say that. Maybe he said it, it's <laughs> the rings. I don't know. All I remember him saying was, and he literally said, yeah, you're burning oil. And he turned around and went back because he had Big Macs to make. And so yeah. that was it, man. You're burning oil. <laughs> okay, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Marty. All right. All right. Well, there's the difference between the two-stroke and the four-stroke engine. All right. All right. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are in a time machine right now, um, of which apparently we are after all the technical issues we've been having. I don't know. I don't know. Can we teach people to drive stick on this episode as well, Tom? Would that be okay? We could try. Yeah, all right. We could try. No one cares. No one cares about stick. I, that makes me sad, man. Yeah. Makes me sad. All right. Hey, uh, car shows here. What's going on? Detroit car show? Uh. Detroit's car show happened, uh, which was good news. Um, They didn't release attendance figures, which is bad news. Uh, They traditionally usually release some attendance figures, and they usually seem inflated. But this year they didn't. So they had an auto show. Um, The press (laughs) – this is actually a funny story. Okay. Because the press event, which was going to be just half a day – and, and back in the old days, the press events at, at, at the Detroit Auto Show would go three full days. This time they were like four hours. And they didn't really come off because President Biden visited the auto show and security was so messed up, so confused that the, the actual premieres and events and reveals didn't actually take place during the day that the media was there. And a lot of people had flights to catch, so it was a complete disaster. 
Wow. And I'm sure those people who are not fans of Joe Biden had yet another excuse to yell and scream. Oh, yeah, there's lots of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Detroit, I would imagine so, or people from around the country, I would imagine yeah. so. And the automotive media tends to skew, right? So it's uh-huh. like- it could be hot. It could be Biden hostile. <laughs> oh God! Oh man! Okay, so the, the the opening wasn't all that great. Four hours instead of three days. Yeah. Uh, but what came out of the Detroit uh, auto show that uh, that people are talking about? Yeah, the real big news is is a brand new Ford Mustang, and and a lot of people are questioning exactly how brand new it is, but it's gorgeous. So if we just consider this an evolution of the current Mustang with a little bit more power, that's a perfectly wonderful thing. And, and the news on the ground, too, and, and this is never said officially, but most people understand that this is going to be the last gasoline-powered Mustang, that the next generation will be electric. Really? So, yeah, this is kind of a big deal. It, it, it was freshened. It looks beautiful. New interior, very modern interior, but still old-school Mustang roots, which means it should be a blast to drive. I'm looking forward to driving one. Mm-hmm. But this might be it for the gasoline-powered Mustang. Wow. That just makes me, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's 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 the passing of a of an era. I uh, Mustang. We've talked about this before. Mustangs, I think, are my favorite car. My, I think the Mustang is maybe the coolest car ever made. Um, and, and like every thing. every every year, they look cool. No matter what decade, the the, the Mustang is always a really badass looking car. Is the latest the two, is the twenty twenty three gas powered last last gas powered Mustang look badass too? No, it looks great. Yeah, yeah, really clean sheet metal. It's a great evolution. It just looks more modern, more clean, uh, a little bit more organic. It's it's great. A little bit less of a throwback. The previous generation kind of had the, you know, going back to the 60s look. This is kind of abandoning that. Hmm, okay. In, in what way? It doesn't have the same... Oh, because some of the the contours have been softened so much, you're not really picking up on the very defined grill and the grill surround. Um which, which, when we think about a car from the 60s, right, there was a full upright chrome grill. There's really no semblance of that anymore. Okay. All right. Now, what about the uh, – I have an article here that you sent me about the, the Chrysler 300C, the 2023 Chrysler 300C. Yeah, uh, this car has been around forever, the Chrysler 300. It's related to the Dodge Charger and Challenger. But these are old-school rear-wheel drive vehicles. And, and my father just bought a 300 but because um, it's kind of an old-man car. But this one – to send this vehicle off, and 2023 will be the last model year for this vehicle, they've decided to, <laughs> if you can't go electric, just go the other direction. They're just stuffing a giant V8 under the hood and calling, okay. it, <laughs> calling it the 300C. So they're well, only going to make two. That's what the, the C is for, the 300C. Yes. Yeah. yeah, special version of that. You can buy the other less interesting versions, or they're going to, I think, build 2,000 of these total of these sort of going away presents to to Chrysler uh, enthusiasts. Wow. So so uh, did it, I mean did this was did they showcase this in Detroit as well? Yes, this was revealed. In, I don't know when the actual reveal event took place. Yeah. Because because Biden, but uh, <laughs> this this was on the floor in Detroit. Yeah, it it looks pretty great. I think it's a really modern take on this vehicle. So it has not actually been significantly updated in almost twenty years. So did did the Detroit Auto Show this year just focus on badass cars? Is that is that, is that what they focused on? I mean, because yeah. the three cars we've talked about now have been pretty cool, you know. Yeah, they have, and and I don't know that that's what the <laughs> the uh, producers of the Auto Show were going for. It's uh-huh. just what showed up. There's this problem going on in the industry right now where manufacturers are shunning auto shows. 
So the, the, the reveals that take place at the shows are starting to decline. So you're not getting major big-time reveals anymore. And, and this is happening in Chicago and New York and L.A. Uh, but L.A. at least has sort of a handle on the electric vehicle thing. So they, they make that kind of news. But the other shows are having a hard time making news. So getting the Mustangs a big deal, the Chrysler 300 is a pretty good deal. But they didn't get much else uh, to make news with in Detroit this year. Why are they shunning the auto shows? What's going on there? What's changed? Um, part of what's happening is that attendance at auto shows has dropped somewhat. But additionally, manufacturers are deciding that they don't want to be part of a bunch of news. They want to make news themselves. So increasingly, you're seeing manufacturers do an event near an auto show a night or two before so they can have exclusive access to the media if they come to town or if they're just ready to write about something. Yeah. Um, but they're finding that attendance at the show isn't necessary. Plus, it costs money to produce a show. Uh, to produce an event at the show. You have to pay the producers. You have to rent space. You have to get vehicles there. Sometimes you have to get um, some sort of brass or, you know, senior um, um, senior staff are there to reveal the vehicle. And that's all a hassle. Yeah. So in- increasingly, that's not what's happening. Well, you know, because you know how bustling uh, that area around McCormick Place is. <laughs> For, for anybody to if they want if they want to <laughs> unveil some stuff, man, I, you know when I think I want to have a big event, I, I'd love to do it. I don't know five six blocks away from McCormick Place. <laughs> seems, seems like a great or in the lake. Let's just do it in the lake. Uh, there you go. At that, at that point, uh, so uh, when, what uh, year round? Uh, what auto shows come when? At what time? What what type of year? So these days, the first auto show, official auto show, is Chicago in February. But we right. still have CES, which has become an auto show, sort of accidentally. Um, Ford yeah. started this one. Ford started to do voice command stuff and its first touchscreen stuff. Uh, it was called My Ford Touch and then later Sync. And they were revealing this because it was so tech at CES, not at auto shows. That's consumer, found- consumer electronic show is the, yep. the CES, yeah. Which, yeah, by the way, which, by the way, years and years ago, back in the eighties, should have just been called the Consumer Porn Show. <laughs> that, <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about down there. <laughs> An overwhelming amount of porn representatives at the CES. <laughs> over the years. I don't think they're there anymore, unfortunately. Oh, come on, really? Yeah, I think oh, it's actually okay. more business-like now. <laughs> That's too bad. It All is right. kind of. <laughs> it is. I miss those days. Oh man, uh, we're revealing we're revealing way too much about ourselves and our age right now. Uh, but okay, so February is is the first one here in Chicago, and then it kind of goes uh, uh, where where else? March or April, we'll see um, the New York Auto Show, and that's mm-hmm. a big one for luxury vehicles. And Mercedes Benz likes that show. Okay, so there's usually some news there. The Detroit Auto Show has been moved to August. Uh, now they got away from being squeezed between Chicago and uh, or September. I'm sorry, and they got away from being squeezed between Chicago and CES. And then you have uh, the LA Auto Show, which comes right around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Now, have you've been to all of these? I assume. Yeah, over time I have. And uh, which which is the? I mean, you're going to say Chicago because you should. But uh, are the do the other ones come close to Chicago or are they? Uh... I'm I'm amazed by how much luxury stuff they cram into the New York Auto Show. Um, but the Chicago show is better for one simple reason. McCormick Place is by far the best place to go to an auto show. Yeah. Uh, the, the Javits Center in Manhattan is a disaster. It's on three floors. It leaks. Uh, it's Ugh. surrounded by... <laughs> it's, is it, is it snow around there still. Is it, is, it, is it located? Is it in Manhattan? It's on the island of Manhattan. It's impossible to get to, so you have to stay nearby, which means you're going to pay a fortune oh. for a hotel room. Jesus. Yeah. 
and then and then it's it's really the the Javits Center where they have it is too small, so it's on three separate floors, oh. which is very confusing. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's a mess. Uh, we we're lucky to have the McCormick's uh, the McCormick Center. McCormick we are. Center has always been an amazing venue. It's still to this day, um, and the and and the stuff that they've upgraded, the changes that they've made. Uh, McCormick McCormick Place, I think, is one of the best places, one of the best venues where you can have conventions or any of that kind of stuff. It's it's an amazing place. Always has been. Always will be. Yeah, and I, and I have to tip my hat to the Chicago Automobile Trade Association because I know those guys. Right. They do, a, they do a great job putting on an auto show. Yeah. It, it's always the, the whole flow of the show is always really seamless. I've only been to one auto show in the country, and it's obviously it's Chicago, and it used to be a yearly thing for me. Uh, you know, we would go, and I, I, as you know, Tom, I haven't driven a car in over 20 years, legally. Right, right. <laughs> legally. Uh, and I... <laughs> And uh, and uh, I haven't owned a car in over twenty some years, and yet you know, again, you're one of my favorite guests ever because I always have a blast talking to you. I learn something, and I'm gen- genuinely interested in cars, and always have been, and would go to the auto show. And again, like you, because you and I are exactly the same age, uh, would leave the auto show with shopping bags full of uh, of pamphlets and books and booklets and yeah. all that all that stuff. Yeah, sadly, I think my dad has thrown all that stuff out, and that's on me for having left it at his house. I see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. But I I did collect brochures. Yeah. Well, everybody did. I think that was that was a really cool thing to do. You know, even if you didn't give a crap about the car, you'd walk up and grab a brochure. Yeah, it was, you had to. Yeah. Even if the car looked stupid, like yeah, that car. Oh, screw this car. I don't care about that. But I'll take the I'll take the brochure. Awesome. And then you look at them when you get home, like you're gonna buy one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a hard time when I was growing up. My parents and I had a hard time paying the rent. But lo, we got this. Look at this Buick. We'll probably get that maybe in, you know, 1990 at some point. I remember so. in the late 70s cutting apart an Oldsmobile uh, brochure, and I wasn't even into Oldsmobiles, but I had I cut it apart, and I had, like, the Delta 88 Holiday Coupe. What was that? But well, there was a picture <laughs> of it glued to my wall. I had to do it. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. You, I'm sorry. The Delta, what was it? The, you, you had a Delta 88 taped to your wall? Yeah, Delta 88 Holiday Coupe. So this was a two-door, <laughs> and it was kind of cool because it had bucket seats and it sure. had body color wheel covers, which was very European at the time. So this was supposed to be sporty yeah, because uh, anything with velour is sporty. But <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I remember this car hanging in this oh. picture on my wall, ruining my, my walls, oh. much to the chagrin of my parents. Oh, that is so hilarious. That is so, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Well. All right. Well. So the so um so then now Detroit's done. So again. So the next one will be L.A. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's it in the Thanksgiving holiday time. Will you be yeah. going to that? Are you going back to the? You know. I know. Obviously, pandemic. Some of them didn't happen. Some of them were virtual. Uh, I know that you've gone back uh, to a couple since they've become non-virtual, and they're you know the pandemic stuff is over with uh, for the time being. Uh, are you going to L.A.? I don't think so, uh, just because I don't know if that I have time. But there's going to be a lot to cover there, I think, on the electric car side. Yeah. So I th- I'm expecting a lot of news out of L.A. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Uh, you know, you, we were talking about how you uh, collected uh, brochures and stuff. Yeah. And that you made the mistake of leaving them in your dad's uh, house, and now they're, they're missing and gone. But you do have old magazines, and you do have old uh, – uh, old uh, what, what were what – were, just magazines and brochures and stuff from other places that you keep at the office. Uh, yeah, that we you, have a, that we you have look, a spectacular collection. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about the collection and, and how that ties into another offshoot of, uh, of uh, Consumer Guide. 
Yeah, we have this fantastic collection. We buy, we bought these over time. They're not all mine. This is a lot of these belong to the company, but there's things like Mechanics Illustrated and and uh, things that predated uh, Car and Driver, Road and Track, and Motor Trend and Auto Week, which are all great magazines, uh, just filled with great pictures. And but but most of that is in support of Collectible Automobile Magazine, uh, which is a uh, bi-monthly magazine that we produce here. And John. The editor, John Beale, the editor-in-chief of Collectible Automobile, is in the office right next to me, mm. uh, cranking out the next issue as we speak. But people who are interested can check out CollectibleAutomobileMagazine.com. Uh, uh, beautiful magazine, no advertisements in it, 96 pages every other month. And if you like old cars and you like really good photography, that's a nice magazine. Very cool. Very, very cool. But you guys have stacks of stuff, uh, and, and every month, uh, you know, I, I, well, more than just once a month, but a bunch of bunch of times for the uh, for the blog, you yeah. go through you go through it, and you look for old ads, and you look for old stories and old pictures, and then you 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 put some really fun stuff up on the on the blog. And uh, and I've got a thing in front of me right here: the classic car ads, uh, station wagons in 1979. Can we uh, talk a little bit about uh, 1979? Uh, what, what what were some of the uh, some of the classic cars of of 79 that you remember. Did you, did you have a car in 1979? You were only 14, so no, you didn't have a car. No, I didn't have a car. I'm trying to think what my dad had. That I think my dad was driving a Rambler. Okay. I he was, yeah, I guess still driving a 68 Rambler. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and you were already, but now in 1979, did you have the Delta 88 on your wall at that time? Yeah. 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 That <laughs> Yeah, that, that would, would have been, been about the year. Right, yeah. right around that time. All right. Well, you talk about uh, the station wagons in 1979 and some classic ads, and you always bust out these great print ads. Uh, and, and you find some of these, you find some in magazines and some elsewhere. Tell me a little bit about you searching and posting some of these hilarious and awesome uh, ads from the past. Yeah, if possible, the easiest place to search is Google. And if you can find a super clean scan they're fair game because obviously this is public domain. Yeah, these are advertisements, so sometimes they are. But ultimately, if I can find it handy in a magazine, you know, if I can flip through a magazine from that year, because if there's a campaign for that vehicle, it appeared multiple places. Yeah. So often, if you see an ad, you can find an ad. Okay. Well, let me uh, ask you. Let's just talk in general. I want to get into the, to, to the stuff that you you posted, but the 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 station wagon. Do you happen to have in your brain kind of a brief history of the station wagon? Yeah, they go really far back. They used to be called station hacks, for example, mm-hmm. but they were designed way back when, and, and I don't know if they go back to the 20s or the 30s, but the, the vehicle called the Suburban uh, dates back to the 30s and 40s, and Plymouth had one and Chevy had one. Uh, but they were just designed to be easy for people to get in and out of, to put multiple people in and to get a lot of stuff into them. And they were called station wagons because they literally took people to the train station. Um, and, and, oh, so that's where and, it comes from. You're going to the train station. Let's get in the station wagon. Yeah, and a weird part about the design of those vehicles was they didn't sell a lot of them relative to coupes and sedans, so the bodies were often finished in wood because there weren't stampings for steel because they didn't justify, the volume didn't justify steel stampings for those cars. So that's where the whole woody thing really started. You would end up with a car that looked like a sedan right. until you got to the second door, and then you got a different body after that, and those were often finished in very nice wood, and those were hand-finished uh, either on site or by some sort of aftermarket finisher. Um, but that's where the woody thing came from, and it's insane how 
that caught on. And for years and years and years after station wagons became steel-bodied like everything else, they were still slapping wood on them. It yeah. was really weird. And it became a thing, though. It was like it, it, was the, it was kind of the quintessential look of a station wagon. It was just slap some fake wood on the side. It was, and eventually it became the look of high-end station wagons. It was absolutely associated with luxury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when I think of fake wood paneling, I think of luxury. <laughs> um, and, and the station wagons aren't made anymore, are they? Uh, are, are they still around? There are no American station wagons at this point, and you have things like um, the Subaru Outback, which is technically really a station wagon, a couple of Mercedes and Audi vehicles. But in the U.S., the, the station wagon is practically dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's let you you well, you like to keep them alive, Tom, over at Consumer Guide Automotive. I do. And uh, let's talk about the station wagons in 1979 and some of the ads. The Chevrolet Caprice, which of course, according to this ad, is America's bandwagon. Tell tell me about what your thoughts on this ad. <laughs> America's bandwagon. Yeah, the, the Caprice was downsized for 1977. I don't know how well people remember downsizing, but yeah. the Impala Caprice were insanely popular after that downsizing. They just really hit. They looked big, but they looked lean and efficient, and they made great-looking wagons, and they sold a lot of these. Uh, this particular one, not finished in wood, but it does it does have uh, chrome wheel surrounds, big chrome wheel covers, white wall tires, and a lot of side chrome, and the ever-popular roof rack, which was optional. Oh, the roof rack. Uh, but this yeah. was a popular car. And for some reason, uh, they think you should put a marching band in one. Right. According to this. And I remember those ads. I remember the TV ads. What, right? Where they would put a marching band in the damn car, if I remember correctly. I Was that for this vehicle? I remember I, that. I, I do just remember rem- that. I don't know if it was the vehicle, but I remember there was an ad yeah. campaign that involved cramming marching band members <laughs> into a car. Yeah. Yeah. And, totally and you gotta have that. you gotta have that roof rack because where else are you gonna tie Imogene Coca when you go to Wally World? Exactly. You can't, you can't you can't put her in the car. She's dead. You gotta tie her on top of the roof of the on top of the roof of the fa- what was it? The family truckster. That was the, the family car. truckster. Yeah. One of the greatest. Would you not agree? One of the greatest uh, movie car uh, cars of all time. No, it was, it was so good. Yeah. It was so good too because if you're a car guy, it wasn't that much of an exaggeration. <laughs> They just, they just added more wood trim and an extra set of headlights, and, and it just you, the absurdity was just so plain. And also, like where you had to put the put the gas was hilarious. With he was trying to he, remember, he rips off the lighting the the license plate because <laughs> he thinks it goes into the back. And that oh, it was just, that movie is just so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, all right, what about the 1979 Chevy Malibu wagon? Right See, size, it, right room, yeah. right name. Yeah, mid-sized wagon, very popular back in the day, and this one does get the woody trim. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Also, I think those little bumperettes in front were extra cost. <laughs> they were extra? You had to pay extra for the little bumperettes? I believe those were extra cost, yes. <laughs> I'll have to check on that. I'll All report right. back. Please do. This is, option. These are yeah. best, that's big news, Tom. We can't let that go by. <laughs> Uh, Chrysler LeBaron Town and Country. Now, I, I know uh, that one of my parents, you know, our family friend, had the Town and Country and talked about it like it was the greatest goddamn vehicle in the world. Yeah, architecturally, this was a pretty dated vehicle. It had rear yeah. leaf springs. It was still using the legendary Chrysler Slant 6 engine. What um, does that mean? What is the Slant 6? The Slant 6 was an inline six-cylinder engine, which was not that unusual, but it was slanted. <laughs> 
and this engine goes way, way back, it was slanted to the side. And the uh-huh. thing about that was it allowed the engine to have a lower profile so that once upon a time, Chrysler could, could build cars more rakishly because they didn't have to allow for the height of the engine. Um, so, yeah, a bit of automotive history there, the wow. legendary Slant 6. The la- legendary Slant 6. I'm, f- I'm scrolling through the, 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 article, the, the, the piece of article for the uh, Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser. What's going on with this dude um, packing up eggs and all kinds? What's, what's going on there? You can, so the, the ad was to, hey, if you, need to, if you need to buy 40 dozen eggs, and what's, he put, what's he putting in the front there? I don't know. I don't know, and I don't think they make the case for the eggs in the article. It's uh, all a- no. It's bad. eggs. It's like it's yeah. It's seriously. This it's like five or six full cases of eggs, and I'm talking about cases that are kept in the dairy. I used to work in the dairy department at the Jewels, and within those boxes are probably fifty dozen eggs, and then he's putting just dozen eggs, family pack dozen eggs in front of that. So if if oh I. <laughs> Oh, now I'm starting to get it. So, okay, now I'm suddenly putting this together. I'm looking at the ad. Clearly what it's about is when you drive the car, the eggs won't break. That's, what, that's why that's the test, is that they're sticking a bunch of eggs in the back of the car to prove that the shocks, I guess, are okay, and there won't be any broken eggs. You can drive, you can drive through oh. Palatine. You can, tri- you can drive through Palatine, and yeah. none, of the, none of the eggs will break. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very expensive vehicle to deliver eggs in. Um, I mean, the business case isn't good. <laughs> I just, I mean, I love it because the ad here, literally there's a giant picture of a guy with loading thousands of eggs in the back of his Oldsmobile. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. You, you wonder if anyone after the fact read this ad that was involved in producing this ad and thought, eh, yeah. Maybe we no. went wrong. Maybe we shouldn't put a guy yeah. loading up 50 dozen thousand <laughs> eggs in the car. How about this one? We've had a marching band, and then I'm looking at this next one, the Oldsmobile Cutlass Cruiser. You can uh, put the whole baseball team and the car and the dog and the big and you and your uh, and and the dog can get, can go into the into the back of the car. You, you know a fun story about this car? It's a weird story. Okay. But General Motors mid-sized vehicles from this era there's a Pontiac and a Chevy and a Buick and an Olds. Um, for whatever reason, well, I know the reason, uh, the rear windows did not roll down, which is why, if you look at the picture, there's a little vent window mm. there. Because if the window had gone the full width of the car, it wouldn't fit into the door because they pushed the door all the way back to make Oh, jeez. So the window doesn't fit in the door, so instead there's this narrow little vent window. But what you really need is air conditioning, I think. Um, <laughs> Oh man, was it was everybody high in the seventies? <laughs> I mean, is that and the people who designed things, the, the people who invented and created and upgraded things, they were all high, weren't they, in the seventies? That's I, I think I, that's a, maybe that's the conclusion. That would explain that, it. My God! All right, um, I do want to get this in before we talk about some of your TV stuff that I want to get to really quickly. But in, in, in a serious note, there is a story concerning evacuations and EVs related to the hurricane. Uh, that is that that people are writing about and talking about in regards to uh, what's been going on uh, in Florida and elsewhere uh, affected by the hurricane and EVs in general. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is an article that that appeared in Clean Technica uh, by a woman named Jennifer uh, Sensiba, and it's sort of a it's sort of a pre response to the absolute expected right wing hatred of EVs. Yeah, uh, and and what happens in hurricanes, and this has happened before, but. 
right now the, the EV is far more a mainstream thing than it had been in the past. And there's all sorts of stuff like what do you do when the power goes out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she lays out a pretty good case for the fact that whatever affects a gasoline-powered vehicle or whatever affects an electric vehicle would also affect a gasoline-powered vehicle. For example, if the power goes out, well, you can't pump gas either. So you're not in uh, better yeah. shape. Yeah, yeah. And one of the really good and interesting points she makes, and this is absolutely true technically, that if you're stuck in traffic, uh, you are better off in an electric vehicle than a gasoline-powered vehicle because a car that's idling will rip through its gas faster than an electric vehicle idling will rip through its battery uh, because a bad, an electric vehicle uses almost no energy. Now, the bad news is if you're using heat or air conditioning, you're going to dig into that battery pretty quickly. So oh, I see. you're going to have to endure the weather such that it is, uh, in which case you're probably in pretty good shape and probably better shape than a gasoline-powered vehicle. I see. Okay. You know, I, you know it's, it, I, I, guess like the, I guess you do think about that in, in a situation that, as horrible as this. Is, you know, what do you do? What, how, how do you maintain your vehicles? How do you keep your vehicles safe? In, in things like this, in horrible weather situations and disasters like this. Yeah, and one of the things, too, and, and, and the same reason that when we know that there's going to be three inches of snow, we all rush out to Jewel and clean them out of white bread and milk. Uh, <laughs> right. We right. always do that. Uh, yeah. So, and Campbell's Soup. So yep. if you know bad weather is coming, you just got to charge your vehicle as, it's, you know, as full as possible. Same right. reason you run out and get gas. Okay. Just want right. to be ready. Cool. All right, and you keep an eye on all of that stuff, important uh, important stuff. You, you review all the new cars, all the great things that are happening at Consumer Guide Automotive, and you can check out consumerguide.com for yeah. all of that. All right, now let's, now let's get to some important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> TV. Tom watches a lot of TV, particularly old-school Westerns, and you like to freeze frame and uh, post Star Spotter on your uh, social media, particularly Facebook, where you take pictures of uh, classic actors and actresses as they show up before they were famous or sometimes when they were famous on other shows. What have you seen? What were some of the more memorable cameos that you've seen uh, lately? Well, my favorite, my favorite is Martin Landau on The Big Valley. Yeah. So, so you got a kind of a, ham, a guy who's capable of being a hammy actor on a show that is totally hammy. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, Martin Landau is playing a very pissed off Mexican guy. So <laughs> this is quality entertainment. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you got a couple of other ones that, uh, that stood out for you? I mean, that one's classic. You can't, Martin Landau is a pissed-off Mexican and a, on a Western is classic. I mean, you can't get better than that. No, I haven't seen any other good ones lately. What I'm realizing, and this is unfortunate, on INSP, they repeat the Big Valley, and they repeat like crazy um, the same episodes of, uh, of a Gunsmoke. So I'm yeah. not seeing new ones. I've noticed I'm, that I'm about. kind of hard up. I've noticed that about Buzzer. Uh, they, lately, Buzzer is like a game show channel. Uh huh. Buzzer has cut down on their like match games and some of their other ones, and they've decided that they're going to show, uh, like, of the twenty-four hour time period, eighteen hours is dedicated. It seems to goddamn classic concentration with Alex Trebek, which is one of the most, one of the most boring, obnoxious game shows ever. And I'm not kidding. There's about, and I'm not this time. I'm not exaggerating. There's at least eight to ten hours a day on buzzer dedicated to that damn game show the classic concentration alex trebek mid 80s edition and it's just like why every time i turn it on it's it's one of those stupid concentration you know puzzles with alex trebek explaining it that that is what's happening on insp which is a dish network channel i don't know where else it's available but yeah they they run gunsmoke half of the time 
Yeah. Which which for me is good. Right. Except they keep re- there's 650 episodes of Gunsmoke. Yeah. Yeah. And they only have access to 40 of them. Well, here's the other thing. Uh, you know, Antenna TV, which was the uh, company that I used to work for, uh, the jerks, uh, uh, those morons run Antenna TV. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, who ruined WGN. Those idiots now run, they also run Antenna TV. And evidently oh. there, there are only 365 uh, episodes of uh, Johnny Carson that they show. Because I watched it every night. I would DVR it every night when it first came on, when they first returned back in like 2016 or something. Uh, and I watched it every night, and then on New Year's Day of, like, 2017, they showed the very first episode that they showed, and the next day was the same one. So there's only 365 episodes that they show. Now, you know that The Tonight Show had many more episodes than 365, (laughs) and those are the only ones they show. I don't, I don't understand that. Obviously, this has something to do with licensing, but, but I don't get it. Yeah, and ultimately you're going to lose people, right? I mean, absolutely. I, I stopped watching it. I, well, I don't watch Antenna TV for personal reasons now because I'm not yeah. going to, you know, I, I, I wouldn't turn that on a station run by those morons any anyway. But the fact is that they there are thousands and thousands of Tonight shows that you can wa- you can run, and they only run a year's worth. It's unbelievably ridiculous. I have found so. myself, and I feel bad about this, turning off Gunsmoke, but I've <laughs> met Festus's aunt before. I don't need to see that episode again. <laughs> there it is. Okay, we don't have really have time really quickly, but you also do a thing now where you are doing mystery. You post, like, publicity photos from sitcoms that nobody remembers. Yes. And you're I love killing, doing that. I know you do, Tom, because you're killing me. And I don't look them up. I don't cheat. I'm not, I don't Google them. I don't, you know... Because uh, you don't even name the cast members. You go, what's this? And boom. And some of them I know. Some of them I remember. Some of them I have no memory of whatsoever. But this is fun. How did you start doing this? Like, you know, posting publicity photos for sitcoms that nobody remembers. Oh, a buddy of mine just started sharing publicity photos because they're out there. I don't know who the people are sharing these, but God bless them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love, I love the shameless, hopeless, uh, hopeful optimism of like a bunch <laughs> of people in a picture for a show that's going to go three episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's really amazing because you could go back and look at some of those. And, and you know, you posted a bunch of these. And, uh, and when do you usually give the answer? Like if people, you, if you make... Do you ever give the answer? Do you ever tell everybody? I do. What, what I try to do is eventually I throw the trailer up there because God ah. bless YouTube. Yeah. You can usually find a trailer for most of these shows. Yeah. I got to put one up for, for the last one I did. That was what, the uh, what was the, the, last people, the People Next Door starring Mary Gross and Jeffrey Jones. Oh, I remember that show. 1989. I remember that show. I used to love Mary Gross when she was on yeah. SNL. And, uh, and uh, Jeffrey Jones had, had some unfortunate personal stuff in his life. But, oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Some questionable things in, in uh, this guy's behavior. Uh, oh. But but you know, like you got to love him in Beetlejuice, uh, and uh, yes. you know, and uh, I mean, I hate Ferris Bueller with every fiber of my being, but um, he's the character I identify with most in Ferris Bueller. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so, but okay. So you keep doing that, and uh, and and so people can follow you on the uh, on the Facebook, and again, uh, Consumer Guide Automotive, and the blog is there. Where can everybody subscribe to it? Uh, do you guys still do the newsletter that people can subscribe to? Yeah, actually, you can just, uh, if you go to consumerguide.com and go to contact us, I'll throw you on the newsletter. There you go. Tom, always a blast talking to you, man, and I'm glad that we worked out our tech issues. <laughs> yes. I'm and going for new headphones right now. Right. I don't think you need them. I think these uh, 1979 headphones that you're using now seem to, to work out perfectly. Actually, that's right. They do. I, I'm not giving them back. All right, buddy. All, All right, right, Tom. Thanks, man. 
Thanks. All right, there you go. There's Tom Appel. Uh, he is fantastic. You can check out Consumer Guide Automotive, consumerguide.com. He'll talk to us again next month for another edition of For the People. Now it's time for my dad to show up and tell a joke. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. My dad tells a joke every Tuesday. It's the first Tuesday of the month, and uh, I thank uh, Tom and Herb for providing unbelievably informative and helpful uh, content, and always a lot of fun talking to those guys. We'll do For the People again next month. And it's Tuesday. That means my dad tells a joke, but we got to go. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Hold it. What's that? Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, I Carrie. love Nick's show. I know you do, Carrie. Hi, I'm I love Carrie you too, Russell, yeah. and okay. I love Nick's you show. You have to get out of the way. My dad's got to tell a joke. All right. All right, Dad, tell a joke. A cow that doesn't produce milk is an other failure. Oh, wait a minute. No. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Yeah, all right, I Carrie. Love all Nick right, show. there. That was, yeah, yeah. All right, there we go. <laughs> so that was uh, my dad's joke. He'll do it again. Uh, <laughs> He'll do it again on Tuesday, and we will be back. Esmeralda will be back uh, to, to our normal uh, uh, activities, and we're going to be talking about, with Esmeralda, we'll be talking about uh, some, uh, some bad uh, early, t- early movie roles and TV roles for actors and actresses. And uh, please come to Zany's in Rosemont, Zany's Comedy Club in Rosemont, on Tuesday, November 15th. Order your tickets now. Buy them now uh, at uh, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Tuesday, November 15th, the Nick D Podcast Live. We'll give away prizes, surprise guests. It's going to be hilarious. You'll be a part of it. It's going to be great. And next time on the podcast, when we come back on Tuesday, David Desmalchian is going to join us. Tremendous actor who's been in a ton of stuff, a ton of movies, a ton of TV shows, including, God, for God's sake, he was in Dune. And uh, he is Count Crowley. And we'll talk all about Count Crowley. It's, uh, it's October. It's Halloween season. Nobody loves horror movies or collects horror movies quite like David does. We're going to talk about that. The great, great actor, David Desmalchian, is going to join us. I couldn't be more excited. That'll be the next time. And uh, in the meantime, please uh, check us out. Leave a voicemail, 24-7-773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the great stuff. Um, and uh, please rate and review us on every single platform. It's the Radio Misfits. And uh, contact us if you want to be a a sponsor or advertise. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. And we will talk to you next time on the Nick D Podcast at RadioMisfits.com. Thanks for listening.